Hello, Pastor Deborah here. Welcome again to another wonderful spiritual teaching video for you. I'm coming to you from out of the Garden of Eden, a spiritual realm, even though I'm sitting in my own living room this morning. You might watch this later on on YouTube or on Twitter. Or maybe on LinkedIn. But right now, I'm in two realms. The spiritual realm and the physical realm. And we're going to pick up in a wonderful section called Teleministry. It's how you get ministry over YouTube. YouTube's a wonderful platform. God is using it mightily. Yeah, it's going to be around for a long time. Might change and get better. Uh, please subscribe to the channel called The Hidden Kingdoms. And you'll be notified of all the new premieres that come. I can also communicate with you in the comment section. I'm doing that right now with a precious young man. And we are helping him, the Lord and I, to understand a deep spiritual truth. That has its roots and shadows in the flesh. He just about has it. So we're working right there. Through a YouTube video. In the comment section. But make sure your comments are. Not too offensive. They don't bother me too much. And I'll respond back to you. Here in the teleministry. I am working through different scriptures. And we have been in one for a long time. Isaiah 61. And we'll work through that one. We're in verse 10. People don't realize how long it takes to study scripture. To go slow. To follow out the references. To look up the words in a dictionary. Study ancient culture, civilizations, and religion. Just to understand. I even use the dictionary for just one word. I write out the scriptures. I ponder them. And I've been taught through years and years of personal teaching from my master teacher, the Holy Spirit, who I am a disciple of myself. To put the word spirit or spiritual in front of words. Because the helps me by doing that to understand his words of spirit and life. A lot of people struggle with the stories. Yes, there are, they were in the flesh. Because that's all that was alive until one is reborn. Reincarnated, so to speak. Through the belief in the cross of Jesus Christ. You're a flesh creature. Mm-hmm. And you understand things that way. But here in teleministry, we try to do ministry to you. Provide spiritual teaching guidance I'm a master teacher I'm a shepherd I'm a prophet a priest a king a warrior and a spiritual mother to your little spirit Mm -hmm. to help you grow and learn spiritually so here we are working through Isaiah 61 this is the father's heart for us it's his Desires and his prophetic words. When we finish Isaiah 61, we'll pick up in Isaiah 62. These have been the two foundational books of my life. In learning how to help people the Lord's way, instead of the way of the world, the way of mental health counseling, treatment, diagnosis, medicine, psychiatry, hospitals. This was the way. I was to go. I had to first learn the father's heart. What did he want? Why did he want us to even get saved or have a belief in him? What was going on? I studied history. I studied cultures, different religions, read books, watch videos, histories, documentaries. Right now I'm studying both the Turkish historical dramas About the Ottomans, the Persians, 
and I'm studying ancient Chinese historical dramas about all the different ages of the empires and how their system of worked within the forbidden city and in the rest of the world. Learning a lot about martial arts and how the students had to go to school. They had to learn under a master teacher. They had to have superpowers, so to speak. But they had to know that their powers and their knowledge were to be used to help society, to help people, to better the country, to help the oppressed, to help the farmers, to help the business. And they were to be righteous judge, protectors, defenders, to help the weak and the poor and the oppressed, the orphans. A lot of orphans in China still are. And yet, a lot of them had to grow up, had to have a mama in their life, so to speak, master teacher. They all had to go to school, had to be disciplined, had to learn. Yes. Because what they were going to be in adulthood, sometimes even in their early teenager years and childhood, they had to learn how to help people with a pure heart, through righteousness and justice. Because there was a lot of evil, wicked things going on, just like now. So here in this tele-ministry, part number five of Isaiah 61, verse 10, that's where we've been. We're into five parts now of just verse 10. Yeah. And let me go back, and I want to read it to you, if you don't mind. I'm going to read it to you out of the authorized King James Bible. So you'll see me looking down. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I, the spiritual forever person, will spiritually rejoice in the Lord. My soul, that's my mental, my mind of my biological body, shall be spiritually joyful in my God. For he, my God, has spiritually clothed me with the spiritual garments of spiritual salvation. That was our soul, our mind speaking. It was a reflection, a helpmate. It was talking to us about the spirit. It was relaying to us as a helpmate what the spirit was thinking and what had happened to the spirit. That's the purpose of the soul out in the world of natural, nature, flesh, is to be a megaphone, a loudspeaker, a vessel that the spirit can use to speak spiritual things out into the natural world. He, my God, has spiritually covered me with the spiritual robe of righteousness, of spiritual righteousness. As a bridegroom decks, dresses himself with ornaments. God uses a lot of things in nature, in the flesh, That we can see with our natural eyes. Because our soul needs a lot of instruction. It needs a lot of relating to the spirit realm. It doesn't live in that world. It doesn't understand that world. And so we need to help it. We need to teach it. It too needs to be under a spiritual teacher. And have a mama. And a guide and a shepherd help it. So here in this scripture. God is using an example to help us. Our natural eyes could see a bridegroom decked out, especially if you look at the Chinese ancient historical dramas, you'll see the beautiful gowns and robes that the husband and the wife were wearing. Beautiful, red, gorgeous. Everything was symbolic. So God is trying to tell us in this scripture, That this robe of righteousness, 
the spiritual robe of righteousness that he has clothed us with spiritually looks something like, is honorable like, glorious, majestic, like these robes that a husband would wear at his wedding and all of the jewels that went with it. As the the bridegroom, that's the husband-to-be, would deck or dress himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So if you don't understand weddings, especially in historical context, you have a hard time understanding what this scripture means. Some of us see it in the beautiful earthly weddings of princesses and princesses or in ancient historical times of emperors and those they were marrying. Weddings were a powerful political statement, a powerful sexual statement. It was a combination of partners, families, business. It wasn't just for love. And there's a lot of sadness in weddings because a lot of people didn't love their partner. It was arranged by their family. And you have to study that. A lot of study about weddings and history, different cultures. In order for you to understand the Bible, this one young man I'm working with uh, through a video about the spiritual veil of darkness that's over our spirit and our soul has to be circumcised, cut away, so our spirit can come out of the darkness of ignorance and the flesh. He is learning to understand that a lot of what he reads in the Bible is from ancient cultures. So I go to YouTube and I find the information And I put it on the comment section for him to go read. Look at the videos. You have to understand ancient history. A lot of them had it right. You know, I don't know if you know the ancient Egyptians in Greece. They all believed in that there were gods. There were spiritual beings in contact with us. But that all went away for us. When the age of reasoning came in, scientific microscopes came, understanding more than natural world, spiritual things went to the back burner. They became superstitions. Just history, we have progressed past that. That's for ignorant societies. That's not for modern Western world. But it's time for you to come back to ancient history and understand spirituality the realm of the spirit and how it is in the world and it affects you and you are a part of it so let's get started with this part of the teleministry of Isaiah 61 verse 10 we are picking up where we left off So let's first have prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have brought here today in the garden spiritually so they can listen and they can watch and learn while we teach. Thank you for Pixabay for this wonderful motion video and for Zoom Pro who I'm recording through. We thank you for their wonderful ministries to us. Bless all those that work in those ministries and their families. Continue to use them to help you be about your work. Father, fulfill Isaiah 61 and 62 in the lives of those, all of humanity. Don't lose one of them. Father, give everyone a Hebrews 4.12, a spiritual circumcision. Bring the spirit up 
out of darkness, out of the flesh, so you can talk to it, so you can shine light on it, so it can feed on your truths and grow and learn. Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us and are doing. Even now, today, we thank you. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. We had been working through, as I said, Isaiah 61, verse 10. And we had gone off on different scripture references. And we were off to one called Job 12, 10 through 25. And we were learning more about all that God was talking about. We were working through this righteousness of this spiritual garment for our spirit person. And we were learning more about it, what he wants to give us, our inheritance, our blessings. That's why I always pray that God fulfill Isaiah 61 and 62 in prayer. He says to himself and to us in his word, the Bible, that he only watches over, protects, and fulfills his words when we pray them, when we seek them and ask him to fulfill his words. So I always pray that. So let's pick up here in part number five of Isaiah 61, verse 10. A tele-ministry spiritual education series. Job 12, 10 through 25. Verse 10. Into whose spiritual hand is the soul life, even your own, of every living thing, and the breath of all humanity? Question. When I'm doing my own personal study, I would stop right there. And I would look up the word soul. I would understand into whose, that there is somebody, a person, who has spiritual hands. That my life is going to be given to and is in. And the breath Of all humanity. That is a powerful statement right there. There's a who. Not a what. And there's a hand. Spiritually. That my soul. And my spirit. And every living thing. Is going to go into. Verse 11. Does not the spiritual ear. Try the words. Doesn't it listen? I've been worked with many people in the occult. They have demonic spirits within them. In their spirit and their soul. That are called scramblers. And how it works. If I would speak a word out. In the natural or the spirit. In between you and me. A demonic scrambler would take those words. Scramble them all up. So the hearer. Didn't hear directly what I said. And I'll tell you a story about that. A precious young girl named Miss Amanda, who's my spiritual daughter, born into multi-generational Satanism. But she didn't want to be in it. She was a rebellious young woman. And when I met her and I tried to start talking to her, I learned I had to ask them, repeat what I just said. Tell me what you understand. So I would say something to her. And she would make a comment back to me. And I said, that's not what I said. Tell me what I just said. So she would tell me something. I said, no, that's not what I said. Her ears did not hear my exact words. So therefore, she could not understand or process nor respond back in truth. She didn't get it. Something was between us. A demonic scrambler was there at work to stop truth from coming to her. That's done all over. It doesn't matter where you are in school, with your parents, in church, in religious activities, just in the community. 
our ears do not hear what's really being said to us. So our ears, they are receivers into our biological brain and into our spirit. If your hearing is not working, in the natural, we have other ways. We can read lips. We can um, read written things. Mm-hmm. We can use devices to help us like hearing aids. The spirit is the same way. Our spirit has ears. It has eyes. It looks sort of like your physical body. This is just a covering, a light covering of dirt over our spirit. That's right. So verse 11 says, Does not the spiritual ears try, examine, look into words? And the spiritual mouth taste his meat? Means are you eating his truth? Are you doing this? One of my stories is I did not get fed in a church today. You can look that up in the playlist called the School of Light. It's about when you hear spiritual truths. It's as if your spirit's taking meat, lamb, chicken, vegetables, like this, and you're eating. Hearing the truth to your spirit is feeding it. It's eating. And there's milk of the word. There's wine. There's water. There's meat. Baby food. And adult food. So he's saying, is not your mouth tasting this truth, taking in when you take in food? It becomes a part of your whole body. It builds muscles. It helps the system. So you have to have truth. Your ears have to be working. You have to be taking it in. Your spirit eats. And what truth you heard becomes a part of your spirit. So you understand spiritual work from the natural. Read a great one. It was uh, in the book of Thomas. It's not in the Bible. It talked about if you ate a lion, the lion becomes a part of you. Because you eat its meat. You get its protein, all of its vitamins, everything. It comes into your system, into your biological system, and the lion becomes a part of you. If the lion eats you, you become a part of it. That helped me understand eating, words, hearing. God connects our hearing with eating. So my story was, I didn't get fed today in a church. I didn't hear truth and light of the kingdom of heaven of God. I heard something else. My spirit did not get any food to eat that day. Took a plate to the banquet. Walked away with an empty plate. So God has connects hearing with eating. When you eat, you grow. Then you have to understand how this works. You want to be eating light, truth, knowledge through your hearing. If not, you are being eaten. By something else. You are becoming something else. Usually something. What we would call demonic. Perverse. Not straight. You become a part of a system. That's in darkness and ignorance. Mm -hmm. Let's continue on. Job 2. 10 through 25. Verse 12. Now remember, all of this is relating to the robe of righteousness. In Isaiah 61, verse 10 
This is Job. That was our spiritual reference we got taken to. There are some Bibles that have different references. So make sure you follow them out. I'm reading from handwritten notes. I wrote, I write out the scriptures. I look up the words. Sometimes it's just one word like Lord. What does that mean? I go to the Webster's Dictionary. I am a student. Even now. I study all kinds of topics, subjects. Sometimes I'll be watching a movie that's like a a gaming movie. And God opens up the word to me. And I have to go back and watch the movie again. Write down word for word what these actors are saying. I learn through archaeology. I learn through documentaries, history, science. I am a student. My master teacher is the Holy Spirit. He will use everything, nature, science, spiritual stories, true life stories. He'll use every mechanism possible to help me. He's not against me. He's for me. Some of us are in pre-K. Some of us are in kindergarten, elementary school. I had to grow up fast to learn how to help you, the Lord's way. So Job 2, verse 12. With the ancient one of everlasting righteousness is wisdom. Powerful statement. Job. Let me tell you about Job. He was a righteous man, blessed. We call him rich. He had sheep and goats. He had children. A good life. Well, Satan was mad at him. That's our adversary spiritually. He was always blessing God, thanking God. Satan wanted to test him. So he went to God privately, without Job's knowledge, in the throne room. And asked God to sift him, test him, and try him. Said, you let me take away all of his blessings, his family members. He'll curse you. You got a hedge of protection around him with all these earthly things. Let me take it away. I'll prove to you. He'll curse you right to your face. So God said, sure, you go right ahead. So Satan had permission to come down and through a tornado and lightning. Killed all of Job's children. Took away all his sheep, cattle, goats. All of his staff ran away. Nothing left but him and his wife. And everybody was putting pressure on him. Curse God and die. But Job wouldn't do it. That made Satan mad. So Satan goes back into the throne room. Privately. Job knows nothing about this. A lot of things that happen to you are test. You're being sifted. Attacked and tried by Satan. With God's permission. And you don't even know it. So Satan goes back to God in the throne room and said, You let me touch his body with sickness and disease. He'll curse you. I guarantee it. He's not who you think he is. And this was a reference even to Jesus Christ that was to come many thousands of years later. When he was being beaten, whipped, and on the cross. Satan was hoping that on his last breath he would curse God and die. So Job was sort of a forerunner of Christ. With God's permission, Satan was allowed to give him sickness and disease. So Job got boils and all kinds of egg. His his wife just would say, curse God and die. That's a loving wife, isn't it? She wouldn't want her or a husband like that. Or, and his friends, three of them, they would go with him and sit out in the wilderness. He had boils. He was horrible. They were not helpful either. But Job held to great stress and pressure. He never cursed God. He said, I came into this world with nothing. Out of the womb. And I will return with nothing. He never cursed God for his situation. Never blamed anybody. Satan lost 
and Satan had to restore through God's presence and authority all that Job had lost. A lot of us were in test, trials, were being sifted, tried. As to will we curse God? Will we fail? Can we say like Job, I came into this world without any clothes on, with nothing out of the womb. If I was allowed to come out and I'll die with nothing. Even if you're the richest man like Job was, can't take it with you. None of your money, your houses, your gold, your jewels, your fame, your legacy, none of it will go with you in death. And eventually the world will forget about you. You've made no difference. You've only served another master. You've served Satan himself and his kingdom. All of that, nobody will remember. Except you have been a traitor to life, to agape love, to truth, and to God the Most High. That's what we will remember. You lie to us on the cameras as a politician. You're a corrupt family. You want to transform people. You want to pervert truth. You want to transform countries out of the, of a kingship and a king and royal. and ma- You hate that stuff? You are an enemy to God. He's a king. You are against him. You're a traitor spiritually. And in your soul. But we learn that about Job. And that's what we're reading here in verse 12. With the ancient one of everlasting righteousness. That's God. Is wisdom. So we learn right there. Through Job. As he's telling us during his trials. There is an ancient one. An everlasting With everlasting righteousness, truth, justice. He does things in the right way is what it means. And with all of that is wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge with understanding. It's what does all of this truth mean? How does it relate to me, my situation? How do I apply my truth that I know? How does it help people? How does it make captives free? Job is telling us that with this ancient one, this ancient spiritual one, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of the Bible, of King David, of this ancient one that Job believed in, was everlasting, eternal righteousness. He did no, this God did no evil. Everything he did was the right way, was done in love and truth and light. And with that came his wisdom for it. A lot of people understand why would God allow Job to go through such a trial? This was God against Satan, and we are caught right in the middle of it, whether you know it or not. This is a battle. Now, Satan was not born Satan. He was born Lucifer, son of the first age, son of the morning. He knew God. He was in his presence, but he wanted to be God. He usurped him or tried to. When Satan, Lucifer became Satan, meaning the adversary of God, still goes on today. Satan is still alive. He has been judged and will eventually be in the lake of fire. He has been kicked out of the heavenly country. And he lives in the second heaven around the earth. He's now a perverted, twisted heart. Full of lust, hate, envy, and jealousy, and pride. He's trying to form a kingdom here on earth. Like he remembers that was in heaven. He's trying to be the ultimate everlasting king. Over all of humanity. He's trying to build his colony. His empire. Through us. That we serve him. And not this everlasting God. Of righteousness. That is full of wisdom. That Job. Served. Believed it. And would not turn from. 
And he said, Job continues here in verse 12, that this everlasting one, this ancient one, not only had righteousness with him, which was wisdom, but he would provide for you your length of days and understanding. In your life, you need understanding. Now, there is an earthly life of our physical body. Then that will end. Some of it ends in the womb because you people choose to kill a child. You will be dealt with by the judge, by the father of creation. Don't think you're going to get by with it. Don't think you can serve death and have life and righteousness in eternity. So what we learn from Job, there's an ancient one. He has everlasting righteousness. He's filled with wisdom. And our length of days and our understanding come from him. He's full of it. Our spirit will live forever. It will leave our earthly body. And it will be judged by the king, the God of creation himself. On whether you were a Job who stood till the end and never cursed God, never blamed God, never got angry with his wife or his friends, he held He didn't get bitter. He didn't get angry. He loved throughout it all. You will be looked at. I already will be watching. And so will all your family and friends. The whole realm of the kingdom of heaven will watch you in the throne room. As the videotapes are played, the audio tapes, the texts, the emails all your secret meetings, telephone conversation, everywhere your spirit went, every meeting you had, will all be shown. The truth is already there. You cannot lie. It will come out. Verse 13. With God and his white robe of spiritual righteousness, Job is saying, is spiritual and natural wisdom. You get that white robe of righteousness. It's a new body. It's a new gown, a covering that you get when you believe in him. Like a baby blanket. But it's more than that. It's your actual body. It's like this light here. In the spirit I'm like that light. I can change colors. There's glory around me. Sparkles like a diamond. Having light shining on it. Uh And spiritual strength. Our spirit lacks strength. It's been weak, not fed truth and light. He, the Lord God has spiritual counsel for us and understanding. We are learning that this God of Isaiah 61, verse 10, has a lot to give us, bless us with, understanding, a white robe of righteousness, a new body, like a clear white diamond, that he can Shine his wisdom through. This is what this represents. Light coming through. Wisdom. Glory. Righteousness. Length of days. Coming through and into your spirit. In this light that comes into your new body. is spiritual counsel. Wisdom. Knowledge. Love. Joy. Peace. This is what came into Lucifer. 
into his body. His body was a body of jewels. Read that in Ezekiel, I think. Jasper, emeralds, sapphires, and light would come into him and shine out. The light was God's words, knowledge, wisdom, strength, and it shone through Lucifer. He was a beautiful creature. And he would look at himself and he'd go, Oh, I'm so beautiful. Everybody bows down to me. Why am I a servant? That God, he wants me to bow to some child named Christ. And he wants me to serve those humans. I won't do it. I deserve to be the king of the kingdom of heaven. Look at me. His heart, his mind got perverted by the brightness of the glory. You have to be very careful when you handle glory. Light, truth, knowledge, position, power, authority. Doesn't matter if you're a father, a mother, a child, a teacher, politician, a judge. You can be perverted. Thinking you the man of the hour. You'll sell yourself, your children. You'll sell your nation, your country out. For lust, greed. Power of things. You see that all the time. Nothing new. So here we're learning in Job that this God, this eternal everlasting God has a white robe of righteousness for us. And it's filled with glory. And he's trying to help us understand it by looking at the bridegroom and the bride. Their jewels, their clothes. You go look at the ancient historical Chinese dramas and their weddings. They were fabulous. Go watch the weddings of a royal prince and princess. Glorious. Majesty. Beauty. Job's trying to help us to learn about ourselves. And the majesty of this everlasting God. And if you understand this everlasting God. And what he wants to give you. When you become his child again. Because he lost you. Long, long time ago. When our first ancestor disobeyed him. We slipped down into the flesh. We became perverted. Dead spiritually to him. We were in the grave, the tomb of the earth, called the flesh, the physical body, and the soul. And these people that Job was speaking to, and Isaiah, were still flesh creatures, still trapped in the grave, the tomb, the darkness, the ignorance. So God could only use natural things to help explain his beauty and glory to us. So he helped humanity design beautiful weddings, wedding garments, jewels. So our soul and our, could look at it and go, that is so beautiful. I want a wedding like that. And a desire would come. Then God could use it to teach us. I've been in a movie and all of a sudden a spiritual Truth will come drop to me. And I will come through the vision of the movie. In those ancient historical Chinese dramas. The beauty and majesty of a royal wedding. Between generals. Prime ministers. Emperors. Their, their beds were glorious. They had routines and rituals. You go study them. Even the Christian wedding, the white gown for the wife, represented innocence, purity. Where the man's was strength, authority, dominion, power, 
two would become one. So here we're learning through Job more in-depth detail of this white robe of righteousness and its glory that this God of Isaiah 61, God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob wants to give us as his child. I want to end it right here in Job 2, verse 13. I don't like to go too deep, too far into scriptures. These videos, I try to keep them short. I could talk for a long time, but I've got other editing videos to do, other housework to do. Going to cut some grass this afternoon. But just stop and think. Right now, we are learning more in depth from Job about this white robe of righteousness and the ancient one who has this everlasting righteousness for us and it comes in wisdom and it brings with us our spiritual length of days, eternity and it brings us understanding and in with and a part of the makeup of this white robe of righteousness comes strength, spiritual counsel, and understanding. All this light comes into us. He creates our bodies, puts a robe on it, fills it with his light and glory. So you have to understand weddings. Go back and study Job. Listen to him carefully. Go slow. Don't hurry. Take a little bit of milk. Fall asleep. Take it into your body slowly. Let it become a part of you. Think. Ask questions. Look up words. What does righteousness mean? What does wisdom mean? What does strength mean? What does counsel mean? mean what does the word lord god mean what does the word understanding mean you got to have those basic words understood for you defined go look them up in the dictionary think about each one and try to imagine the glory the majesty of wisdom what's it for why do i need it Is it spiritual wisdom? Is it wisdom of my biological body? What's understanding? What's righteousness? What does spiritual strength mean? What does it mean about length of days? Take your time. Ask your master teacher, the Holy Spirit, if he puts me or others in your life, As your teacher, listen to us. Some of us have it. Some of us don't. Some of us can quote scriptures, but we have no idea what they mean. Ask God who's to help you. Who's to be your spiritual mother? Who's to be your master teacher that you're to be a disciple of? Who are you to listen to? May not be your boss at work. May not be your biological parents. If you have some, may not be your best friends or your earthly coach. Go ask God. He'll help you. He wants you to understand words, have understanding. He wants you to eat slowly. He's here to help you, and so am I. So let's pray as we end this part of Isaiah 61, verse 10. Out of the book of Job. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all those that you brought today. That have listened. That are learning slowly. That are hearing your words of spirit and truth. Father, help them to understand what Job was telling us. About you. Your white robe of righteousness. Your everlasting wisdom. And how it affects our lengths of days. And brings us understanding. 
Father, help us to understand how you use the natural world to demonstrate, show us the spiritual truth so that we can have understanding. Thank you for your spiritual counsel to us and your spiritual strength and giving us the master teacher, the Holy Spirit, to help us. Thank you, Father, for all those that you brought here in the garden. And then we'll watch this on YouTube. Guide us and lead us. Help us to grow and become the king of the kingdom of heaven on earth as you intended us to be. Righteous rulers protecting the innocent, bringing justice to injustice, setting captives free, nations, businesses, families, people in the realm of the spirit, and defeating Satan and his kingdom of darkness, ignorance, and his demonic spirits. Thank you, Father. Help us now as we ponder and think just these small scriptures about you and us and about what your heart desires for us and what your prophetic words of Isaiah 61 mean to us. Give us a Hebrews 4.12, a spiritual circumcision to help us. Father, fulfill your words that we have spoken today so that we can be about your business as your kids on earth fulfilling Isaiah 61 to your heart's desires. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Okay, I'll see you on the next video of the Teleministry as we continue to work through Isaiah 61, verse 10. We'll pick up in part number six. We've still got quite a ways to go. I don't go too long. We can't absorb it. We just go slow. Take little bites and we sit and think. I'll see you next time out here in the realm of righteousness and glory and beauty. The realm of the spirit. Bye.